Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football is marching towards the playoffs, and we're down to the college championship game. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports action this January. Head to our website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody, it's time for the memes of the weekend podcast here on the Take It Easy podcast here on the final NFL Monday of 2021. Memes of the weekend will probably continue into the playoffs, I assume, but we don't have any more NFL games to talk about after this. Welcome in on this beautiful, beautiful Black Monday here in the NFL, except it's technically not Black Monday because we're recording this on Sunday night, so we don't technically know all the coaches who have been fired yet, although in past years it's kind of become a tradition where coaches get fired on the Sunday night instead of on the Monday because people kind of start going through the cycle on Monday, and why wait 24 hours for everyone to come back to the facility just fire them after the game, tell them they're not coming back, you can do an exit meeting, you cannot do an exit meeting, really doesn't matter, but you usually get coaches being fired on Black Monday here today, or in the case of Vic Fangio, the NFL flexed the Broncos game onto Saturday so Vic Fangio could get fired on Sunday morning, how about that? The little flex scheduling thing working against Vic Fangio, he gets fired by the Denver Broncos, and it, it was a great run, wasn't it? We, we had so many jokes, so many at the expense of Vic Fangio here on the podcast. So we can, we can say for Vic Fangio, we will certainly miss your six points per game, your two field goals of offense, your 16-play, 48-yard drives ending in punts for three seasons, no quarterback help, 19-30 and 30 the final record. Very consistent throughout the 19 and 32. I think they had a five win season, a seven win season, and a seven win season. So, very, very consistent between the Vic Fangio Denver Broncos teams of the past three years. The funniest one that I saw in there actually was similarly to that because Denver and Carolina have basically been doing the Spider Man meme of each other ever since they played that one Super Bowl where Peyton Manning got a championship. They've basically been doing a Spider-Man meme of each other. By the way, just to to finish it off exactly, it was six and t- it was seven and nine, five and eleven, and seven and ten. Those were the final Vic Fangio records as head coach of the Broncos: seven and ten, five and uh, eleven, or seven and nine, five and eleven, and seven and ten being the final records for Vic Fangio. And the Carolina Panthers are doing this even more Spider-Man meme where in the past three years, the Carolina Panthers, by the way, with Ron Rivera the first time around and Matt Rule the last two seasons with three different quarterbacks. One year it was Kyle Allen, 
One year it was Teddy Bridgewater. This year it was a combination of Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker and Cam Newton in an apocalyptic hellscape of a season that got Joe Brady fired and made us realize David Tepper's might be incompetent, might be one of these incompetent owners that derails the Panthers for the next 25 years. Carolina Panthers, 5-11, and 5-11, 5-12, and they were 5-11 and going into this game. The Carolina Panthers have been the exact same goddamn team. And we did a podcast in 2019. It was December 22, 2019, where we did a podcast rebuilding the Carolina Panthers. I like to think that our idea would have worked, considering this one has not. And then you got the report this week that the Carolina Panthers are shopping Christian McCaffrey. They should have done it two goddamn years ago. But now it's a little too late for that one, and the Carolina Panthers have tanked his value, and he's now missed two consecutive seasons pretty much with injury because that's what tends to happen with running backs. Tough break for the Carolina Panthers. 5-11, and 5-11, 5-12. And again, you guys aren't quite in the category of teams that we start beef with. We, we're cool with the Panthers fans. Even if we like to make jokes at their expenses, we're cool with the Panthers fans who we're not cool with the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos. Those are the teams to start beef with. Why? Because I'm going to always be right. And this year is the perfect example of that. Because according to Jay Glazer, 50-50 chance Joe Judge stays in New York. Dave Gettleman is going to be out of there. Joe Judge wants to pick the GM of the franchise, apparently. I forgot the name of the guy, but Joe Judge has a candidate he wants for general manager. And the Maras might actually do it when they should have fumigated the organization back on October 17th, like we said. Anyways, 50-50 chance the Giants fire their coach. By the time you're listening to this, Matt Nagy will have been fired by the Chicago Bears. 6-11, you know, we've known for weeks and weeks he was going to get fired. We thought he was going to be the first coach fired, and now we've already had three get fired before him. And there might be three more fired before him by technicality. Because David Cully might get fired. Mike Zimmer's going to get fired here in the next couple days. Or I guess in the next couple hours. Mike Zimmer's probably going to get fired, according to Jake Laser. And we're going to have Matt Nagy on the chopping block. Pete Carroll might end up getting knocked out, too. I know he's meeting with ownership, and no one knows exactly what's going to happen there. But. Welcome to Black Monday, where the three franchises that we have made the most jokes about over the years, the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, and the Chicago Bears, all find themselves with questions on Black Monday. And this is a general rule. If you have to question whether or not a coach is going to get fired at the end of the season, you should probably fire him. Because most coaches are pretty interchangeable, except for the ones that we know are not interchangeable. Like, Zach Taylor, no idea what to do with Zach Taylor, but I know he has the franchise quarterback now, so Zach Taylor's job is going to be pretty secure for a little bit. It's actually quite remarkable that that Mike Zimmer found his way into eight seasons in Minnesota without really ever having the franchise quarterback. I know Kirk Cousins was the quarterback for like half the time, but he made a conference championship with Case Keenum, and they drafted really well, and Mike Zimmer kind of survived a lot of that stuff because he only made three playoff appearances in his time with Minnesota. They won like three playoff games and probably should have won another one with Blair Walsh, but still only won three playoff games in his time. And so this brings us to Black Monday, and Black Monday is something appropriate for the memes of the weekend because a lot of times, 
we have we're used to like four or five coaches being available i remember a few years ago there were only like five head coaching openings in 2019 last year i think there were maybe five and then doug peterson happened like two weeks later because he had a falling out with jeffrey lurie who demanded that he fire his offensive coordinator and doug peterson's like i can find another job somewhere else and so doug peterson got fired but this time we're already looking at three gone already three more in the wing because Cully's going to get fired here by the time you're listening to this Nagy's going to get fired and uh, Mike Zimmer is going to get fired so that's six right there a maybe on Joe Judge a maybe on Pete Carroll one of the things we're learning with this cycle is it has never been more of a case where you have to have that franchise quarterback to protect your job because Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor are going to be in playoff games this coming weekend but neither of us, none of us really know if they're good coaches or not. Like Mike Vrabel is a pretty good coach, but he's also like one bad season away from getting fired as the Titans head coach. Like we don't know whether those coaches are really great or not. There's like eight of them that we know are pretty great, but everyone else feels kind of interchangeable with the rosters that they have and get protected by having a really good franchise quarterback. And this is the interesting thing about the cycle of you can always find new coaches that are pretty interchangeable. They're coordinators that are on a streak or someone who's got a relationship with the general manager. As I'm hearing, Dan Quinn is going to be the next coach of the Broncos. I'm like, it's perfect for content. But the reason it's the case is because George Payton has a relationship of working with Quinn in the past. And so this is where these hiring cycles feel kind of interchangeable and people don't have a lot of creativity in bringing in the hiring cycles and sometimes for better or for worse like creative ideas like hiring urban meyer yeah it's not always going to work out hiring matt rule was a creative hire not really working out in carolina because a lot of the times it's based on who has the franchise quarterback and who doesn't and this was exactly what vic fangio said on the way out in Denver because that last game if you watch the Chiefs Broncos game which I didn't watch very much of it but I caught the glimpses of the back end where the Broncos are just doing the Broncos thing where they're just hiding Drew Locke just hide Drew Locke the best they can Pat Shermer has the curse that we've talked about before where he's been a coordinator head coach for 13 years and the best quarterback he's ever had is Sam Bradford might be Teddy Bridgewater might be this year Teddy Bridgewater might be the best quarterback that Pat Shermer's ever had as an offensive coordinator or head coach. Teddy Bridgewater might also be the best quarterback the Broncos have had post Peyton Manning. And all of that is to say Vic Fangio went right to the to the heart of the coaching situations. And I saw a lot of people who were defending Vic Fangio like he never got a fair shake. He should have kept his job in Denver after that last game. And this was a perfect way of summing that up from Vic Fangio himself. The last couple of years, only two division wins in that span. What do you think is separating this team from the rest of the AFC West? Well, I mean, those other three teams have top shelf quarterbacks, okay, which is obvious to everybody. Thanks to DSD for that audio, but I found it so amazing that he said the thing, and it's super true in this changing landscape, which is, Having the franchise quarterback will protect you from being one of these interchangeable coaches. Because, yes, 
Vic Fangio didn't get a lot of help. And Vic Fangio played to what the Denver Broncos were, which was a seven-win roster in 2019, about a five-win roster on paper last year. This year, they probably were like a five-win team on paper who traded Von Miller partway through the season because of winning a lot of one-possession games, they happen to go 7-10. and 10. We are making jokes the whole season like, God damn, can we just get the Denver Broncos out of here? Just get the Broncos out of here. Nobody wants to watch them sneak into the playoffs. No one wants to watch the Steelers sneak into the playoffs, but the Steelers did sneak into the playoffs. And Denver is in this place like a lot of franchises where when you go through the cycles of quarterbacks or you happen to play in a division that happens to have the franchise guy like Minnesota, like Chicago, like Detroit, who, by the way, Aaron Rodgers won three consecutive division titles and those teams that they go up against in the division have now all fired their coaches within 12 months. Within 12 months, the entire NFC North cleared house. Aaron Rodgers wins three straight division titles, clear house with everyone in the division. AFC West with Patrick Mahomes being that franchise quarterback. The Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos cleared house within 12 months. It's amazing how interchangeable coaches can be in the NFL. Same thing with Fangio. Like, you could argue Fangio never got a fair shake. Yes, that's true. You know who else isn't going to get a fair shake in Denver? Whoever the next head coach is going to be. You know who's not going to get a fair shake in Minnesota? Whoever the next head coach is going to be for them. You know who's not going to get a fair shake with the Houston Texans? whoever the next head coach of the Houston Texans is going to be, and you know who's not going to get a fair shake with the New York Giants, whoever ends up replacing Joe Judge if they just ever found the gall to get rid of Joe Judge. And I know we've done this podcast before already. I think it was two weeks ago when it was announced that Daniel Jones and Joe Judge were going to come back. It just doesn't make sense when you're just in this interchangeable loop of mediocrity and not even having one of the average ones like Fangio said the division has three top shelf quarterbacks Derek Carr is like the the baseline of top level quarterback like he is the bar that even I wouldn't say Derek Carr is like a top shelf quarterback the same way I wouldn't say Kirk Cousins or the Carson Wentz experience or even Matt Ryan is a top level quarterback but Arthur Smith decided another great example Arthur Smith interchangeable quarterback situation speculation every offseason about Matt Ryan Arthur Smith said I'll take Matt Ryan. I'll do the best I can with it. What am I going to do? I'm going to go 7-10, and 10 and we're going to have the 8 pick in the draft. We're going to have the 8 pick in the NFL draft from going 7-10. and bleeping 10. Because the NFL in the middle is super interchangeable. It's why we do the mixies every year, and it's why in the past 3 years, 50% of the league's coaches have been turned over. Ballpark, 50%. Jaguars have gone through 2 coaches. Every single team... In the AFC West and the NFC North, not na- oh, and the NFC East, every single team has turned over their coach in the past two years. Because when you're in the middle, everything becomes interchangeable. The Broncos fired Vic Fangio because you can find another Vic Fangio. It was the hope when you hired him that maybe Vic Fangio was a Mike Tomlin type of hire. That Vic Fangio was a Sean McDermott, or not, I don't even know if Sean McDermott's that great. But the hope that he was one of these diamond in the rough coaches. First time head coach, maybe you find some magic in there. Vic Fangio just kind of played to the rosters that he had, even maybe overperformed this year. The Broncos can find another Vic Fangio. 
And that new Vic Fangio, whether it's Dan Quinn or whoever else it might be, is probably going to be stuck in the same situation because the Denver Broncos are one of the 14 teams in the NFL that doesn't have a franchise quarterback and one of the six, seven, eight, nine teams that is stuck in perpetual mediocrity. And it's really funny to make fun of those teams that are stuck in perpetual mediocrity. Shout out Detroit Lions. Congratulations. Congratulations, Detroit, for giving up the number one pick when you could have had the number one pick. I don't know if it matters that much this year because people say that Hutchinson and uh, I forgot the oh Kevon Thibodeau, they say both of them are really good. It's kind of a toss up. So maybe having the number two pick is better because then you don't have to trick yourself into making the bad decision. Uh, kind of like a, a Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic situation where you kind of psych yourself out and take the wrong person instead of, you know, game theorying it and saying that you'll let your opponent make the mistake and then you get the better player. But people say those two players are the best. The Jaguars will get one. The Lions will get an edge rusher. It, and the Jaguars getting back-to-back number one picks is fascinating because we talked about this when we did our, our story in May about the Brown turnaround and how... The, the process kind of revolved a tw- revised a 20-year curse of Browns football, even though in the four years post-process, the Cleveland Browns have one playoff victory and three disappointing seasons, or I guess two disappointing seasons in between. It's like two really disappointing years and two really good building years for the Cleveland Browns in the time in between, but still not the same cycle of sadness that Cleveland went through for 20 years. What's interesting about the Jaguars and I guess Detroit to a certain extent, because we talked about this last year, like Detroit, you have a plan. It looks like you have a plan. It might not work, but at least it looks like you have a plan. And they're going to probably fire Anthony Lynn here in the next couple days. And I get it because Anthony Lynn's not like a great offensive mind. No one said great offensive mind when they thought of Anthony Lynn. I don't even know if the Lions can do better than Anthony Lynn, though. Like, maybe you go to the college ranks and try and find a new coordinator, and maybe Jared Goff will have a new coach by then, or a new... Yeah, Goff will have a new offensive coordinator, or maybe the Lions will bring in a new Goff, but it's it's less likely because they kind of just absorbed the bad contract. I I don't know if you can do much better than Anthony Lynn, but I get that most of these coaches are pretty interchangeable when we really think about it. And so... Detroit's going to go through that cycle and the Jaguars are going to go through that cycle. But the thing we talked about with the Brown turnaround is the best way to change your franchise's fortunes is to get the number one pick in a year where there's a generational talent available. And the Cleveland Brown idea was we're going to get that number one pick two years in a row because it increases the odds that we get a generational talent. Usually a generation is every five years 
and every, you know, there's one on the defensive side of the ball, there's one on the offensive side of the ball, maybe there's one at a certain position, like Ndamukong Sue being this all-worldly defensive tackle at a position that it's really hard to identify defensive tackle talent. But Jacksonville and Detroit are both going to be in this place where they are trying to play the odds of, can we get a generational talent at the top of the draft? And Jacksonville did it two years in a row where they said, we're going to go to the very, very top of the draft and we're going to get a generational talent. The Jets have done something similar too because they think the Jets have the four pick in the draft coming up this year. So the Jets went two and four, which is the same concept, but it's not exactly the same as getting the number one pick because like you can't get Miles Garrett with the number two pick in the draft like always it's better to have the number one pick because your odds are higher but even sometimes when we're talking about the number one two three four picks it sometimes ends up being different even between those picks because there's a generational talent and then there's not. There's Nick Bosa, and then there's Solomon Thomas, both drafted in the top three, but there's ever so slight differences between the draft picks. And so you see the Lions end up, based on the one tie that they had against the Steelers, end up with the number two pick. And this year specifically, it just ended up in a year where there isn't a generational quarterback, but there are generational edge rushers that everyone thinks are good and really good offensive linemen. Just a, a weak draft that's going to be harder to get excited about than having four, five top 10 quarterbacks being drafted, which again, like we talked about in the last segment, like the, the franchise quarterback sometimes is the difference between success and failure at the top of that league. And so everything ends up being kind of wacky, wild, random at times, ends up working out the way it does. And sometimes you're Carolina who gets the six pick after the seven pick and the eight pick. And sometimes you're Denver who for the second year in a row is going to pick ninth in the draft. It's really funny how that works out sometimes. But Jacksonville and Detroit did the tanking strategy, then tried to blow the tanking strategy right at the end, and it was really, really funny to watch. As they both got, the Jaguars got a win and lost the number one pick, but then Detroit went against Jordan Love, which by the way, woof. I know the Packers took out most of their star players, but woof for Jordan Love. I think the Packers are certainly convinced they don't have the answer after two seasons anymore, but woof, not a great day to be Jordan Love. And the Lions don't the Lions play game theory experiment a little bit here where you take the decision out of your hands and allow the Jaguars to be the team that makes the mistake and then you get to inherit whichever edge rusher the Jaguars don't select. And for the sake of Lions fans or more so white Lions fans everywhere, they really really want the white guy from Michigan to come be the great white hope that saves the Detroit Lions, along with crazy-ass man Campbell, who will probably get fired after next season. We have our final Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award of 2021 to hand out here. It's been a hell of a year for the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award, and we'll conclude this by listing off the final tabulations for this season. And coming in for our final week with their one Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award win, with 
a torn thumb with a ligament ripped off of a bone and the season on the line Jimmy Garoppolo came through for the San Francisco 49ers now was part of this like we talked about on NFL Monday because Jalen Ramsey was one step behind batting a ball away that would have set up fourth down yes absolutely the truth but Kirk Cousins purgatory is never about playing the results it is about the process of remaining in this purgatory of always being down seven no timeouts length of the field one minute left to go And Jimmy Garoppolo sent the game to overtime with a touchdown to Jawan Jennings, drove them down the field, kicked a field goal at the five-yard line, and let Matthew Stafford lose the game for the Los Angeles Rams. So for the first time this year, Jimmy Garoppolo, congratulations. You will walk away, and possibly your final regular season start as a 49er, because I know they play the Rams in the playoffs next week the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for Week 18 to help the 49ers make the playoffs. So here are our final Kirk Cousins Purgatory tabulations for 2021. Kirk Cousins, of course, comes in with a whopping seven titles in Kirk Cousins Purgatory, which was originally Philip Rivers Purgatory, and I think Kirk Cousins established that he is the new Philip Rivers this season. Seven times the eight and nine Minnesota Vikings ended up in in Kirk Cousins Purgatory, and the Minnesota Vikings finished with exactly the record we guessed at the start of the year for the Minnesota Vikings, eight and nine. That is exactly where the Minnesota Vikings live. Uh, we also had two from Matt Ryan, who is embodying the Philip Rivers idea. I saw Matt Ryan threw more touchdown passes than Eli Manning today, which I found amazing. Like Matt Ryan's getting up there in age and he's one of these quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford, where he's breaking all these passing yard records. Cause he came into the league right around a time where all the passing rules were changing and everyone had up tempo offenses and throwing the ball 35 times a game. And so like he's breaking all these weird records of fastest of 40,000 passing yards and more touchdown pass. He's going to be top five in touchdown passes by the end of his career. It's kind of weird how that one worked out. Uh, Jared Goff, two this year. Congratulations to Jared Goff coming from behind, embodying that former Matthew Stafford role with the Lions where we could never figure out if it was Stafford or the Lions, and now we know it's a combination of both. Uh, Carson Wentz had one this year. Zach Wilson, Big Ben, Jalen Hurts, Cam Newton, Even Mason Rudolph got in on the game at one point this year. Lamar Jackson had the one against Detroit early in the season that ended up actually meaning a lot at the end because Detroit got to keep the number two pick because of that weird Lamar Jackson snapping the ball after and then 66-yard Justin Tucker field goal. That feels like ages ago now that the NFL season's come to a close. That felt like so long ago that we went through that. Uh, And Tom Brady had one this year. So a lot of ones, our only repeats were the seven from Cousins, two from Matt Ryan, and two from Jared Goff this year. Congrats to everyone who lived throughout the year in Philip Rivers Purgatory, a.k.a. Kirk Cousins Purgatory. It was fun to play this game with you throughout the entire 2021 season. And we conclude this podcast as we have concluded the last few podcasts now that the NFL or that the college football season is over with our final forgettable game of the week. 
We honor the game that we just could not talk about, but we have a rule here on the podcast that we will talk about all 256 games, except not all 256 games, but all the games that are played on Sunday. And so we have two games left to cover here on the forgettable game of the week. And I think there is no more fitting way to finish this than with a sad, meaningless 8-9 and nine season coming to a close but they did get the win so we can finish off the podcast by playing the music for the Cleveland Browns. Shout out to our boys over at the Dogs of War with their wonderful music and their wonderful theme song. Apparently a game was played there today. Joe Burrow didn't play. The Bengals offense just kind of took a bye week to get ready for the playoffs, accepted the four seed and we'll play the Patriots or we'll play the Raiders. They kind of took that gamble there and said, we're not going to play the odds here. Joe Burrow's got a knee injury. We'll just rest. And uh, Jarvis Landry had a touchdown in that game. That's the only thing I can tell you happened in that Bengals-Browns game. The other game I was going to throw up here is uh, the Jets and Buffalo. We did not talk about the Jets and Buffalo, but Buffalo got to be the beneficiaries of the Bengals wanted to rest people and the Bengals happened to play against the Browns, who actually had an okay game with Case Keenum at quarterback, apparently. I'm just looking at the box score right now for Case Keenum, and, you know, it's an okay game. And the Bills actually needed to win to lock up the AFC East, which they did for the second year in a row, which, just as, like, a quick aside on that one, like, I find interesting that Buffalo went 17 years without making the playoffs, and now we're going to be in this place where they might win, like, four division titles in five years and they kind of run that division a little bit because they have the franchise quarterback and the Patriots don't have the franchise quarterback anymore it's interesting to see that change even today where the Patriots lose to the Dolphins and the record's going to say 10 and 7 and Buffalo's record is going to say 11 and 6 and it's going to feel like Buffalo kind of owned that division even if it was exactly what I said would happen in March, which was Buffalo was going to kind of be the three seed and the Patriots were going to be the five seed. And then it exactly happened. And a lot of it feels easy to analyze in that way. But the weird way we get to it makes us forget about those things. It's interesting how it worked out in the end for them. So Jets and Buffalo, forgettable game, but the Bills won the AFC East and they get the three seed. So congratulations, Buffalo. And to conclude, All of our NFL regular season coverage here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast, we hit you one final time with the Dogs of War Cleveland Browns anthem that Rowley plays when he chugs egg and beer before Browns games. If you don't know what that is, check out the Angry Browns fans Instagram account and check out the Dogs of War because those dudes are totally awesome. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us through all four months of Memes of the Weekend and the NFL season. Enjoy one last time the Cleveland Browns victory song.